Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ever dance with the devil in the bed? Inconceivable! Cowabunga! I thought this was a party! It's two Nerfskis and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. Are you even qualified to do this? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Right you are, sir. Right you are. And, uh, all right. Welcome, everybody, to another fine installment of Two Nerdskis and a Podcast. The one show where two nerdskis come together, talk about everything, pop culture and entertainment. It's Eric. Hey, I'm Jeff. What's up? (laughs) And hey, folks, welcome back. And uh, yes, we're back here once again to talk some more shenanigans, if you will. But um, so it's going to be a busy month. Let's put it that way. We've got uh, a whole marathon coming up of a certain wall crawling, crawling hero. But before we get there, we need to talk about some uh, real busting real ghost busting if you know what i mean ladies and gentlemen we're talking about one of the greatest classics of 1984 it is ghostbusters and uh if you haven't heard about ghostbusters what kind, what rock have you been living under it's very much wow um yeah ghostbusters i i don't yeah if you've been living under a rock and you have no idea what ghostbuster is first of all shame on you it's a supernatural comical science fiction masterpiece of cinema and uh it is it includes the right balance of visual effects and good old comedy in my opinion but jeff i'm gonna begin this with you because you are really the true ghostbusters like fan um what is your history with this well uh it's one of those movies that my family watched all the time and for some reason when i was really really young i i mean i had a very short attention span so i i watched like a few minutes of it and then just kind of i don't know go off and play with action figures or something (laughs) but i want to say it was around sixth grade or so i finally sat my ass down and watched it from beginning to end and i lost my mind and I just thought it was so fucking funny. I loved the effects, the characters, all the dynamics. And I just rewatched, I rewatched it countless times and uh, kept following the progress of the potential third movie. And then Harold Ramis passed away. And then uh, something else happened in uh, 2016. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, uh, we'll maybe we'll touch on that. I I'm gonna need some drinks uh, <laughs> to to endure that. Uh, but then something wonderful was announced: a real third movie. And God damn it, I cannot fucking wait for Ghostbusters Afterlife. This is probably one of the few occasions in the last couple of years that I've just actively been counting down the days to go see a movie because let's be real movies, movies kind of fucking suck right now. (laughs) And a lot of them just feel like soulless corporate cash grabs and you know, just they're just shitting shit out into theaters due to brand recognition and something about afterlife always kind of, struck a little different it just it just looks like they're doing everything right but we'll uh we'll we'll touch on uh our expectations for afterlife a little bit even though i kind of gave all mine but whatever the fuck uh yeah the original ghostbusters is you've heard me uh throughout this phrase before ghostbusters is lightning in a bottle it was just the it was the right movie at the right time 
with the right cast, the right crew, the perfect amount of writing to balance out the comedy and horror, uh, the right amount of improv, the right amount of fucking everything, man. It's, it's one of those movies that should not have worked as well as it did. And somehow, because this movie actually had a very rushed production. I think they, I think it was like from, from pre-production to post, it was all completed in, in about a year, which for a movie with this, with this much effects behind it, especially back in 84, well, this would have been 83 when, when they were making it is pretty fucking insane. And it's just such a, a crazy fucking concept that you would think would be a hard sell to, to people, but it somehow just all came together to create not only one of the greatest comedies of all time. I would, I mean, if you were to say Ghostbusters, one of the greatest movies of all time, I, I wouldn't dispute that at all. And yeah, I'm, I'm uh, pretty stoked to to talk about it because it's it's definitely uh, definitely a personal favorite of mine. Well, I mean, to directly quote the movie alone, um, I mean it because it, it is such a massive phenomenon. It has become a gigantic like pop culture staple, a major franchise. To quote Peter Venkman, uh, we are on the thresholds of establishing the indispensable defense science of the next decade. Professional paranormal investigations and eliminations the franchise rights alone will make us rich beyond our wildest dreams well isn't it isn't it kind of weird though that ghostbusters it i would say it's one of the most i mean it's it's one of those things where it's really just the one movie that bolstered it to the status it is i mean i would say probably the 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 real Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters animated series definitely helped, you know, because that that's what helped get the toys off off the shelves back in the late eighties and early nineties. But even though Ghostbusters two was also commercially successful, it uh, critically wasn't received well. And uh, actually, i i got uh, I got thoughts on on that movie. Really, uh, I'm kind of curious how what the what the, your thoughts on are those on that one. But, um, but yeah, it's yeah, Ghostbusters. It's kind of uh, it's kind of crazy how much longevity it's it's had because it's it's really I would say it's really um, bolstered off of that off of the success of that first movie because when it came out, it was the most successful comedy of all time. Like I I think it took. I don't really remember which movie yet dethroned it, but yeah, it, it held that spot for, for a very long time and pretty much everything, most everything after the first movie has been kind of dog shit. I, I can't vouch for the, the real Ghostbusters animated series. Like I, I hear the first few seasons are pretty great. So I'll take the word of people who grew up on it uh, on the word for it, but pretty much most everything after that has been, pretty bad if i must say so and the fact that it's maintained it uh the status it it has and even when it hit the absolute lowest of lows in 2016 and is still able to be brought back i mean let's be real ghostbusters afterlife is essentially an apology for the 2016 movie and uh i mean i i think that just shows what uh what an impact this first movie truly had on uh, on american pop culture and it uh yeah even after all the shit that's been thrown its way you know harold ramus passing away and that thing called technically called a movie uh it's still uh you can't keep the ghostbusters down well i was just thinking because uh, you mentioned the passing of Harold Ramis, like, because I remember, I guess there was a falling out between him and Bill Murray, but I, they were able to patch things up after before he died. But I remember the Oscars that following year, and uh, I forget what category Bill um, was 
um, presenting, but he goes like, oh, wait, we missed one more. Harold Ramis. And which I thought was like a beautiful tribute to the man. And um, there's something interesting about Harold Ramis, isn't there? Because he seems like, I mean, I feel like I feel like the character he I feel like Egon is a reflection of Harold Ramis, even though, to be honest, I don't know too much about the man other than the fact that he looked like the father, the intelligent fatherly type and definitely seemed like a, a really kind man or whatnot. I, yeah, I, I don't know too much, but um, I do you know much about Harold Ramis? I mean, I kind of learned I mean, the more I started, uh, you know, researching film, I really underestimated what an impact Harold Ramis had on the world of comedy. You know, I I didn't know for the longest time that he directed Caddyshack. I mean, that that's the first R rated movie I ever saw. So that movie's been with me forever. Uh directed vacation that's one of the funniest fucking movies ever made i think uh, he did stripes right or was that ivan reitman well he he definitely uh starred or co-starred with bill murray in that right and i believe i believe he helped write it too uh and uh you know obviously there's groundhog day which uh you know actually i don't think i've actually ever seen groundhog day all the way through which is kind of kind of surprising and that movie was actually what caused the falling out between Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. Apparently. That's what I heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I, I remember when he, uh, hearing when he passed away that, uh, yeah, that, that legitimately saddened me. You know, I, I usually don't get worked up over celebrity passings, but sometimes there's just a person that's, really struck a chord with you and you really grew to admire their work over time. And when they're no longer with you, it, uh, it makes you appreciate their, their work even more, like especially hearing what he had, hearing what he went through directing Caddyshack, you know, cause that's, it was a, he was a first time director and it was just a wild fucking party all throughout the production of that movie. And the studio was always breathing down his neck like it's it was a shit show like there's a great documentary on youtube about uh, about the making of it and you know you had the yeah there was like conflict between chevy chase and bill murray like it it was crazy chevy chase doesn't uh, surprise me in the slightest on that one oh now that it's bill murray let's be real yeah (laughs) i love you bill but he's kind of a dick (laughs) you what do you do you really think so? Because like I've heard nothing. I mean, like I I mean I have heard about the controversy behind the scenes of the Charlie's Angels movie, but like some of the coolest things he's ever done was like he he photo bombed uh, a couple's uh, like engagement photos, and uh, and uh, he just took a couple. And the photographer asked him if he actually wanted to take a couple of photos. He's like, yeah, sure, and he did. So I mean, like that kind of. I mean, yeah, I mean. Sure, maybe he's hard to work with sometimes, but I, I never thought he was a dick. And to hear you say that coming from you, who loves Bill Murray, that surprised well, I mean, me. Yeah, I can. I mean, I yeah, I love Bill Murray, but I can acknowledge that. Yeah, based off his uh, his reputation, he seems like a dick. But eh, I still, well, still at least he's work. I don't know. At least he didn't say some shit like uh, he didn't say some real shit like uh, what you call it, Chevy Chase did. But that's that's neither here nor there. But in any case, though, um, well, you know, Harold, you know, Harold Ramis left quite a big legacy, of course. And, you know, I think his biggest contribution is, in fact, I still think it is Ghostbusters because, well, it's like you said, it's very much lightning in a bottle. It really is. the When you think of when people think about Ghostbusters and not thinking about, well, you they'll think about the second movie. They'll think about the animated series. They'll think about I would say even I would say one of the last good things for Ghostbusters was the 2009 video game that Harold Ramis did right. And of course come, I mean the entire cast came back to do Yo, well, cause, cause that was based off of uh, one of uh, Dan Aykroyd's concepts for a third movie. And it was brilliant. I mean, I've never played the game, but I've watched like game, like people's like they've edited together, like move a mo- like movie edits of the game itself. And I'm like, this totally could have worked as the third movie. And so I'm very curious to see what, how afterlife turns out in this case. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I would definitely uh, anyone who's a fan of the franchise definitely go uh, go check out that video game. It's it's not I wouldn't say it's a perfect game, but it's the last time the original actors, you know, work together as in character. So I would say that alone makes it worth checking out. So then let's let's talk about the actual history of this, because you said I didn't know this. It really was. So it really was a rush production. I didn't know that. Yeah, I I should have rewatched the uh, the making of documentary before uh, hopping on this. Uh, you know, again, sheer professionalism here on this podcast. <laughs> but no, that, uh, that really surprises me though. That because like it it felt like they because like for a rush pro for like a rushed film, fucking astounding. Like because this movie is truly like just fucking awesome. Like. All left and right like the comedy works the the visual effects are amazing for the time they still hold up extremely well and the performances are you know some of the it's some of the best performances you've ever seen and yeah and all four core ghostbusters are some of the like best film characters or just be- best characters in pop culture i've seen in anything like you have of course you have dr Peter Venkman, who's played by Bill Murray, who is, what is he? What's his profession again? He's some sort of psychologist, right? Or he works with some sort of (laughs) self-proclaimed psychologist. Yes, because when we first are introduced to him, like he's basically um, trying to see if like two people, he's basically playing a game with uh, two people to see if they can guess the correct card. The woman, uh, like there's a girl and a dude, the dude gets the right card but he actually, but he gets the buzz. But when the right girl, I mean, when the girl gets the, gets it wrong, he corrects her and says, no, you're right. You get, um, you get some cheese or or crackers or whatnot, because Peter is also loves his women. Um, but you know, that's, that's Venkman for you. Um, you have Ray Stance played by, um, Dan Aykroyd, who is just like this really energetic go to happy, go happy, lucky guy. Um, really, really just a lot of fun, um, and really, really loves what he does. Um, and then you have, of course, uh, Egon Spengler played by Harold Ramis, who, um, in his spare time, I like to collect, uh, molds and spores and fungus. <laughs> um, very much, very much the, uh, scientist of the group. Um, and he, I mean, just the stereotype. And then of course, one of the coolest men to ever appear in any screen or to embrace the screen, small and silver. Ernie Hudson as Winston Zeddemore. Ernie like, Hudson is is one of the smooth, smoothest motherfuckers to ever grace the screen. Like for for so originally the role was meant for Eddie Murphy, but uh, I think he went on to I think he chose to do Beverly Hills Cop instead. And the uh, the role of Winston was was uh, reduced uh, as a as the writing process went along. But even though, you know, Winston doesn't really come in until about halfway through the movie and you wouldn't really say is a focal point of the story. Ernie Hudson still is has still such a tremendous screen presence and manages to have a lot of fantastic lines and just the the. Like uh, his introductory scene with uh, with Janine, uh, <laughs> where he's just like, <laughs> like, do you believe in the theory of Atlantis and the, uh, yeah, just all all that shit? And he's like, if there's, there's a city, city paycheck in it, oh, okay, just yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I was sorry, I I didn't know, I I didn't know if I was saying it or if you were saying it, but yeah, basically he's like. Uh, I'm in for it as long as the check clears. So it reminds me, it actually reminds me of something uh, Bruce Campbell said at a panel once he said uh, on YouTube, uh, he's like, uh, someone asked him like, what's your favorite role? He's like, they're all my favorite roles. As long as the check clears. Um, Well, and that's, I think that's part of why this movie works so well is that you have all these four drastically different personalities, like, uh, is working off each other nonstop. And, you know, because in a way they're kind of like, like not, not in all cases, but I would say for two of them, 
they're definitely like a reflection of the actor themselves. Like I would say uh, Ray just being so enthusiastic and passionate about, about the subject matter is a reflection of Dan Aykroyd because, you know, he's really into the shit, mm-hmm. you know, just listen, just listen to it. Listen to him on Joe Rogan. It, it's uh wait, Dan it's Aykroyd really, was on Joe Rogan at one point. He was, it's a, okay, uh, it's, it's fascinating to, to pick apart that man's brain. Uh, and Bill Murray, who, uh, part of what makes Bill Murray so funny is that the whole time, especially during this movie, it just, it looks like he just has this face of just not giving a shit. And it's wonderful. And you know what? It works because Peter Venkman really is. I mean, like Peter Venkman really, I mean, I think Bill, it's like, you know how like Robert Downey Jr. basically just plays himself whenever he plays Iron Man. Um, Bill Murray basically just played himself whenever he was playing Peter Venkman because I'm pretty sh- sure that like, yeah, I'm pretty sure like if you encountered Bill Murray in real life, he is just essentially um, playing himself. Um, yeah, he's Peter Venkman on and off screen, um, which is great because it adds to the comedy uh, like because it's interesting, like everyone has a different person personality and character type like Winston is the is the everyday working man. Egon is the scientist. Ray is happy-go-lucky, and uh, just and uh, Peter is the very Peter of the oh, core three. I would say is the most social and normal of the two because the other two are really focused on their sciences and whatnot. And and arguably, I would say that Peter is just like uh, he likes uh, he likes women and everything and. In fact, of course, he falls in love with Ripley herself, Sigourney Weaver, who is playing you, Dana Barrett. Can you blame him? No, because no one. Can, I mean, hey, like Sigourney Weaver was the it girl back in the day. So, of course, Sigourney is one of the most beautiful women to ever grace the screen. Uh, absolutely. I agree. And I, you know, she still looks great today. And, you know, um, has it been confirmed that she is coming back for Afterlife? It, it, uh, yes, 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 she is. So I'm very curious to see how her role is this time around. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I wonder if Peter, I mean, if anyone's seen Ghostbusters 2, I wonder how the relationship is going um, post Ghostbusters 2 at this point for those two. But well, actually, if you uh, if you look at the uh, the final trailer for Afterlife, the uh, the little tease of uh, of the boys, you can if you look at uh, pretty sure it's bill murray that's in the in the center and if you uh, if you look closely you see a wedding ring so um, maybe we finally got hitched to dana eh, we'll see yeah we'll see won't we my question is what happened to oscar fuck oscar no one cares oh ho, 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 ho. okay i'm looking forward to ghostbusters too um but anyways so actually there's something i wanted to bring up real quick so you mentioned you said all this great and truthful stuff about Ernie Hudson. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there is photographic evidence that you have actually met the man. Am I right? Yes. Yes, I did. So my, uh, uh, so not to, not to get to too much uh, detail in, uh, you know, personal details, but, uh, uh, my mom's job at the time, uh, was hosting an event and there was a, uh, pretty much, Ernie Hudson was there to help promote said event and it was a total surprise. And, you know, she told, you know, she, uh, yeah, she surprised me and I, uh, I didn't do my hair and I just put on a random ass shirt. I looked like fucking shit. And then I see Ernie goddamn Hudson and I'm so self-conscious about my, (laughs) my appearance. I'm like, Oh fuck. If I knew this was happening, I would have actually tried to look nice. So I love uh, I love looking at my picture with Ernie Hudson. I just try to crop half the frame. <laughs> that is because I remember when you first showed the picture and I'm just like, you lucky son of a bitch. Um, and he he is. Well, first, that dude is fucking ripped. He, I think, is the only one of the three, I mean, of the four, who probably has not aged a day, I would no, say. No, that, that man has aged gracefully. 
Yes, I I absolutely agree. And I think he's shit. I think he's in his late seventies, and he still looks like he could at least be like forty or fifty, which is incredible. Um, uh, this man is a legend. Um, and um, I I think he is. I think he is suffering from Keanu Reeves syndrome. Uh, that man does not age one bit. Um, how is he as a person though? Is he pretty much the same guy off screen too? I mean. I only got to chat with him for a couple minutes, but I mean, he had such a, I remember him just having such a laid back personality. You know, he, uh, I, I don't know. Cause he, he's one of those guys that always, uh, you know, you'll, you'll probably find him in the, around the convention scene. So, but I mean, yeah, he's, he always just came off as a very nice, sincere guy and it, uh, yeah. Ernie Hudson's the fucking man. Um, so yeah, so yeah, uh, like he is truly like one of the coolest guys around. Um, and it it would sucks because I mean, like, I, I guess it's because he, he comes in so late into the movie, but like, cause even when I watch Ghostbusters too, it's like the main focus is really on the core, the original three. And like, he's just there. And I'm like, that's, that's a shame because like, I really think that like Winston has a lot to offer because like, he's kind of a... It's kind of like a counterbalance to the three like scientists and social outcasts who, you know, just uh, are really focused into their work and whatnot. And here he comes in. He's a normal working guy who's looking for a new job. And like, as he says later, it's like, I've only been in a, I've only been with a company for a couple of weeks, but I, but let me tell you something. I have seen shit that will turn you white. That's a big twinkie. <laughs> That's another thing too that I love this about this movie the the endless quotes but still like going back to yeah going back to Ernie Hudson and Winston I, yeah he really I think he I, I think he's like the most underrated of the four just because again he all the other four all the the other three get more attention than he does and it's just such a shame I really I wish mean, he would get more like he, he yeah, deserves I mean, I, more yeah I mean I would definitely say for the first two movies, Winston definitely got the short, short end of the stick. Uh, but it was mostly just because, you know, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis were such comedic powerhouses and Ernie Hudson's a phenomenal talent. But, you know, when we have those other three actors, you know, competing for screen time, you know, someone's not going to get an equal amount. And unfortunately, in terms of the first two movies, that was unfortunately Winston. But, just because Ernie Hudson, like we said, is the fucking man. Every moment he gets, he he does a, he does a terrific job. Oh, he kills it! it, it just like an amazing again, amazing talent. Like, uh, like he if he deserves far more credit than the other than like than he is getting. That's what I'm trying to say. Ernie like, Hudson, please come on our podcast. We'll praise you more. <laughs> Yes, please. Can you can you please? Thank you. Um, so what I what, it, since you mentioned the other three, like the moment you, re- you realize that these guys are like great and bounce off of each other is when they arrive is when they first meet at the library and they go for the gray lady, um, which is which is one of the funniest scenes. And I um, I remember actually. Cause I remember watching this in theaters with you. Um, it was on, they had it. I think it was the anniversary of the movie. Yes. They had it. Yeah. I think it was yeah, the anniversary I... of the movie. And you asked me to come along to watch it. And I was like, okay, fine. So I, I went over uh, to, I went over to our local uh, theater and we watched it. And I gotta say, man, watching this on the big screen was a treat. I think you and I, it was like you, me, a couple other people we knew, and then like some other people in the audience, but like we basically had the the auditorium to ourselves, dude. That was such a fun time. Oh yeah, no, I think I, I want to say I've seen this movie in theaters at least three or four times, and you know it's uh, it's one of those things where you know just certain movies, if it's playing in theaters for like a one night events, like I'm I'm gonna at least try to make the effort to go see it. You know, movies like Ghostbusters or Jaws or Jurassic Park, it's I feel like those are just a lot more fun in the theater. 
They are. I mean, and this movie is a ton of fun in the theater. Um, like just what again, just sitting in your sitting in your uh, seat, just watching these guys just like throw like bounce off of each other, seeing like the seeing the actual visuals in the film, and then uh, just just uh, well, I, well, I, I think part of the because because I would definitely say that the this movie features probably or no it definitely features one of the greatest comedic dynamics in comedy history and it's just the way that they bounce off of each other and they can in like in the bleak blink of an eye go from uh talking about intellectual scientific theories to childish bickering like and it's it's so entertaining to watch and yeah well, one of my favorite exchanges, I have the quote right here. It's uh, it's the, you know, it just occurred to me that we really haven't had a successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Well, no sense about it now. I worry. Each one of us is carrying an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back. <laughs> just the sheer, just like the sheer, just like uh, they're in an elevator waiting to catch their first ghost officially and, and testing out the equipment. And they're just like, all right, well. Here we go. We're waiting for it. But like before we get to the I would say the mascot of the of the Ghostbusters, the gray lady itself. Um, and again, like they go all out. So this was like pre CGI, obviously. So I, I, I always am fascinated by how they pull this off. But just like, you know, they have like I think it's <clears throat> you probably would know more of the technical terms than I would. But like they you they um, they would put they would put layers they would shoot one layer and they would shoot another layer and lay them on top of each other but like you know the translucent gray lady and then like when they try to scare her she's like when they're like get ready get close okay get her and then she transforms into like this ghoulish monster's like jesus christ and they run out <laughs> um oh man that was such well, a great that was a well, fast for what i i fucking love the moment where they uh, or they they first stumble upon her and they're just they're just in awe about, about what they're seeing and then Vacant's just like, so what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, oh shit, we didn't think this far ahead. Well, that's where well that's eventually where they eventually you know get the idea. So they had a grant from the university. I think it was um, I forget which university it was, but basically like they get kicked out of the university and so like they now need to find a new place to conductor business and so they find um i'm trying to look for the quote but uh it's the it's the moment where they find the iconic firehouse right and um and uh oh geez I, yeah i can't find the quote but yeah but i just remember how <laughs> i just remember I, how- I i fucking love the 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 moment where uh, where Egon's like, I think this building should be condemned. That's it. Basically, a militarized war zone. The, the power is insufficient. It has, it cannot possibly like fulfill our our power needs. And then Ray's like, Hey, does this postal work? Wow, this is great. When can we move in? I'm gonna get my stuff. <laughs> See, it goes to show that like, uh, it doesn't matter if it it doesn't matter if the building is shit or whatnot if like if you can get at least i think the just the slightest thing that's kind of the charm of dan Aykroyd and uh ray stance is that like it doesn't take much for him he just kind of just like he finds one part about the building he's like this place is great i can't wait to live here and do shit so and so they go in and they start they move in eventually and they get um oh wow What's their secretary again? Because Annie Potts is a delight. Janine. Janine. Annie Annie Potts is a goddamn delight. I remember seeing, I remember when the kind of the first trailers. I also play racquetball. (laughs) Ghostbusters. No, we can't do stuff. No, we can't call. We can't uh, bring back your uh, uncle to find the combination for the safe (laughs) or whatnot. Um, the fuck was that from? Oh, that's actually from the video game. Oh, <laughs> um, but but yeah, uh, she, she, I just remember like a you know there there's a dry spell for them, and she gets like Ghostbusters. Really? Okay, we're on it. We got one. <laughs> 
and like they're just all ecstatic and they can't and they're just ready to go and they put on their gear they slide on the pole and then they get in that epic car the ecto one which is like one of the most iconic pop culture cars in history it's up it's up there with the batmobile it's up there with the general lee it's up there with uh with kit from knight rider it is up there and what is it it appropriately it's a hearse a white hearse with with uh in with uh, sirens and uh carries around a whole bunch of stuff it i'm like whoever thought of making ecto-1 a hearse for their uh, as their transport vehicle fucking genius that's that's just uh again i don't know who came up with it but like that i hope that person got a raise because that is a genius idea like what better way to capture ghosts than to keep them to transport them in a fucking uh in a fucking dead in a fucking uh, car that carries dead people so yeah um so let's talk about the mascot if you will Slimer, good old Slimer, and Slimer is. Uh, I think it. I think it. Stop me if I'm wrong, but I believe that he's meant to be the ghost of John Belushi. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Now, if you don't know who John Belushi is, he was a one of the like first cast members. Who the fuck doesn't know who John Belushi is? Of course, but uh, yeah, one of the biggest star, one of the biggest comic cult stars of all time. Uh, one of the first like big names to ever come out of SNL Saturday Night Live. And, Anyone who doesn't already know all this information, shame on you. Yes, I agree. And go watch Animal House. Holy shit! <laughs> that's that's the only that's the only line I remember from Animal House because <clears throat> I'm a zit. That... <laughs> Isn't Kevin Bacon in that movie too? Yes, he is. I think uh, that was I think that was his first movie, like his very first movie. No, I think it was uh, Friday the Thirteenth, right? Animal House was two years uh, prior. Oh, yeah, Animal House was seventy eight, and Friday the Thirteenth was uh, eighty. Interesting. We should talk about those movies. Um, but but yeah, so Slimer goes. Slimer is uh not the scariest ghost, but like he's just an annoying pest. He just. He just likes to go around and eat food and uh, much like a certain comedian that he's based off of. Um, but one of the funniest moments is like, so Pete, so there's this scene where uh, Peter walks down the hall and come in uh, Ray, <laughs> come in Ray. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. It's right here. Ray. It's looking at me. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? I think he can hear you, Ray. <laughs> God damn it, Bill Murray. He's just like, Ray? Ray! And I was like, oh God, Peter, what's happened? He's like, I he slimed me. That's great. Actual physical contact. Can you move? I feel so funky. <laughs> See, that's that's the thing. Like, Peter's just like, I've just been slimed and all Ray's ecstatic about this. Oh my God, just a scientific just the just the fact that a ghost touched you that's amazing see it's the little and, things that and he, and, set and, off and vakeman still doesn't give a shit He's, it's just <laughs> it's like it's it's a slight inconvenience for him like i love uh i love when they uh when they go down to the ballroom and then he's just like that's the one that got me well no what 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 always one of my favorite lines in the movie is so like when they when uh, when they first try to capture Slimer in the ballroom and they're shooting around, it's like, hey, whoa, 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 nice shooting, Tex. And then uh, there's, a, and then of course the classic. Uh, oh, there's one thing I forgot to mention. Don't cross the streams. Why is that? And he's just like, he basically explains like, uh, imagine all your molecules being ripped away or whatnot. And he's like, got it. Don't cross the streams. And so they capture. Well, plus like I. I, I can't believe we didn't mention the proton packs themselves are one of the coolest fucking things to ever be in a movie. And the, the sound design alone on those puppies. Ooh, like it's just, it's, it's like the sound of a lightsaber. Like the moment you hear it, you just, you automatically know exactly what it is, exactly what it's from. And you fucking want one. Well, it, it is one of the classic uh, props in film history, isn't it? Like, 
it goes up there with the lightsaber. It goes up there with um, Han Solo's Han Solo's uh, blaster. It goes up there with the bowcaster that Chewbacca wields. I'm mentioning all Star Wars weapons because, um, and no, and I'm also thinking, of course, like Star Trek, like Starfleet phasers from Star Trek, um, the Batleth from the Klingon Empires of Star Trek, um, the Batarang, the uh batman costume yeah all the all the classic props and tools and yeah the proton pack like i can only imagine just how heavy those were to actually carry um and i I think uh apparently one of uh one of the things that got bill murray to come back for afterlife was making those proton packs lighter Yeah, because I imagine that was those were really heavy to carry. Because I mean, those were those had to be. I mean, obviously they were not real, but I imagine like there probably were like batteries in there to like. Because basically, what they were is they probably had like little. They were probably like giant glow sticks with that would just light up whenever. Um, because obviously they can't actually shoot protons. Well, like like one thing I want to interject here is that. I think one of the genius things about this movie is how it just it doesn't uh, it doesn't dwell on any of the unnecessary details like you just it doesn't show them developing the proton packs or uh, showing like how they came to be like they just show up. And because, you know, the personality of these characters so well by the by the time they're out in the field for the first time, you just you go along with it just like, yeah, that that would be something that. Egon would would make in his spare time and it's uh yeah it's one of those movies that just does such a good job with establishing the world and the rules and it uh you know it it doesn't it it doesn't it It doesn't doesn't dwell on it sure (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah whatever but no, you you are right though. Like you kind of they kind of just show up. They're not really there to they don't really have an explanation, but you know, it it is a it is an interesting. You know what the also the other real interesting tool I like that exists as well that's that is I would argue is very iconic. The I think it's the PKE meter. Like when you see that thing you're just like, "Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Time to detect some ghosts." So yeah, and I I will say like that's uh that's one of my favorite mechanics in uh in the video game too, just just walking around uh with your PKE meter just trying to trying to find some ghosts. Like that that shit's great. I always remember I, I remember like uh when you walk around um with the PKE meter the first time and when like Ray gives you the tutorial just like hunting for a go- hunting for a ghost is like getting warmer, warmer, you're right hot. <laughs> um God, yeah. God. Okay, wait. We're, we're almost forty-five minutes in, and how the fuck have we not talked about Rick Moranis? Well, because um, that's right. Lewis is okay. So Lewis, um, obviously, if you don't know who Rick Moranis is, um, first have you not again, shame on you. God damn it! How do you not know who the fuck Rick Moranis is? Well, to be fair, he hasn't. No, I'm not going to be fair. It's Rick. Goddamn Moranis. My, my, my point is, is Rick is uh. Rick is definitely a comedy icon. Like, obviously, of course, not just Ghostbusters, but Spaceballs, Spaceballs, the flamethrower. The kids love this one. Uh, <laughs> Ludicrous speed. Go. We have to talk about uh, Spaceballs at some point. Um, but um, and then, of course, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So like Rick, Rick Moranis is like he's a comedy icon. But, you know, he left it all behind because he just. Because he, um, I believe it's because he wanted to go spend time with his kids, right? I think. Oh yeah, because well, because his wife passed away. That's right. I wasn't sure what exactly where the circumstances were, but yeah, no. For the last several, for the last several. By the uh, way, I, I don't, I don't expect it. But if Rick Moranis has a little cameo in Afterlife, I'm gonna lose my shit. I'd be cool to see him again. I mean, like, it, I think it, he, it would be fan fucking tastic. If I'm not mistaken, he did come back for like a commercial or two, right? Like in the past several years. Yes. Uh, yeah. So he came or, uh, yeah, I want to say, uh, 
it was a mint mobile commercial with Ryan Reynolds and he, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a little spot, but it was just great to see him. And, and then some garbage human being decided to attack him pu- publicly on, on the street in New York. And thank God they, they caught that guy. And, and thankfully, you know, Rick, Rick was okay. Just like minor injuries. But yeah, the fact that someone tried to try to harm one of our great national treasures, Rick Moranis, that person can get can get fucked. If I'm not mistaken, he's Canadian, though, right? I believe so. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's put it this way. He's an international treasure, but still. Um, but no, so him is Lewis in this movie. Um, Lewis and is... I, and Lewis, actually, this... Or, yeah, like one more thing. Uh, so actually, originally, Lewis Trolley was going to be played by John Candy. And if you look at early uh, concept art for the movie, they uh, the uh, the sketches were modeled for John Candy. So then what happened? Did, did it just not work through go through? It was and- uh, John Candy wanted to play the character in a different direction than what was originally intended. And uh I think it was just mutually agreed on that, you know, it's like, hey, we're not seeing eye to eye on this. And I mean, I at some point I, we have to talk some something with John Candy because John Candy is one of my favorite human beings to ever live. Well, uh, we well, I already have a movie in mind that we can definitely talk about John Candy that also has Rick Moranison that I just mentioned. We'll talk about fucking space balls. God damn it. <laughs> So anyways, Lewis is one of the most quirky characters I've ever seen. He's just like, a, oh, well, hey, Dana, how, how are you? Um, uh, Hey, would you like to come to my party or whatever thing and uh, and hang out and whatnot? Uh, like, he's kind of like he, he seems like that kind of like quirky guy, you know, from like, I feel like I, I know some I feel like everyone has known someone like Lewis, who's just kind of like lives alone um, and just like has friends but you know it's not but he's kind of like just a real nerdy like middle-aged man who kind of like kind of seems like a loser but once you put him in a certain situation i don't think anyone's gonna forget him but yeah like rick plays it so perfectly the role like just the the oblivious goofball who just unfortunately gets mixed up in the wrong situation especially when it gets possessed by uh one of is it one of the hellhounds am i not mistaken Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And he just goes around. Uh, he goes around uh, New York just like looking for master, master, cute master. little pooch. Maybe I got a milk bone. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this guy, this guy is a this guy is a riot, to say the least. Um, but yeah, I, I was. So when I got to see when I saw him get a much more expanded role in Ghostbusters 2, I was just like, you know what? Good for you. Good for you, Lewis. I'm glad that you're moving on up in the world or whatnot. And I'm like, and I can't, and I'm definitely, we'll definitely talk about Ghostbusters 2 in the next installment. Spoilers, if you will. But like, I, I would like to, t- I definitely think that like Lewis gets a much more, much deserved expanded role in that part, in that movie. Um, but so when you, you mentioned lore and I think the lore they come up with, the ghosts is fascinating, especially because like they go beyond the ghosts and they go almost to evil, gigantic gods. And um, well, because originally uh, when Dan Aykroyd was uh, was trying to shop this script around, it was going to be way too expensive because he had concepts of jumping into different dimensions. And uh, I think it was uh I wish I could remember exactly what his original pitch was, but it was uh, pretty radically different from uh, from from the movie we got. But the essence was still there. I think it was when Ivan Reitman uh, became involved. That's he kind of helped streamline the the screenplay and kind of uh, brought the exterminator approach to uh, uh, to the to the Ghostbusters, which I think. Uh, really helps create this movie's identity because part of what makes this uh, part of what makes this movie so funny to me is that, you know, they, uh, it's like these characters are not these badass 
badass heroes who uh who are gonna rise to the occasion and they're gonna nonchalantly save the day it's like no they're 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 basically schlubby losers (laughs) and it's uh and i don't know like like that uh, that take on it like i think the scene that sums it up perfectly is when they're uh like if you haven't noticed like there's no like they're, they're we're not talking this movie like from beginning to end like we normally do like we're just yeah it, we're gushing whatever. about it basically and so with uh so the scene where they're about to go uh to go to the building for the for the final uh uh final conflict, goes there. yeah let me fucking talk bitch <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then you know the uh the streets start you know tearing uh, tearing itself apart and then they they emerge and the crowd cheers like yeah let's go one two three ghostbusters yeah and then it just hard cuts to them like out of breath on the staircase <laughs> it's like that to me like that that sums up the the tone of of, of this movie perfectly well i mean in all seriousness, that is sort of that is sort of a refresher, isn't it? Especially for the eighties, because when people think of like heroes in the eighties, they're all thinking of like big machismo action stars like Arnold and Sly, and of course, you're also thinking of I would even throw Van Damme in there, the one who kind of break the mold, who wasn't like a big machismo guy, but uh, definitely had a presence with Steven Seagal, but. Um, but yeah, you didn't really have like the everyman really being represented until I probably say, I mean, I would kind of argue lethal weapon, but then again, like Mel Gibson was already kind of an action star in his own right because of the Mad Max series. Um, I would say Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Cause Die Hard, did Die Hard come out in the late eighties? I feel like it 88. Okay. I was okay. So we, I was right. Um, but yeah, so no, you're right though, in this case, because you have all the, you have like four regular basic, basic three science, three, like socially kind of inept guys. Well, that's not true. Peter Fenkman's like all about the ladies and, and, um, race, very happy go lucky, like I said earlier. And then one working, one normal working guy named, uh, Winston, who just basically is um they're all yeah they're they look like everyday guys and they're not really like machismo they rely far more on their wits and intelligence to save the day or whatnot that's that's the charm of i think that's part of what makes this work is that had these been like four like real machismo guys this movie i don't think would have worked even if they did have the like the communicable uh prowess that you know, Harold and Harold and Dan and uh, Bill have, but yeah, I don't think the movie would have worked as well with, um, without those guys. But, um, there's something else I wanted to mention real quick before we get to, uh, Gozer, which was, uh, everything was fine until Dickless here shut everything off. They caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Um, Walter Peck is like the definition of douchebaggery. Um, but the funny is, thing is, he's not technically wrong. I mean, yes. I mean, yes, he is. Because basically his character is what? His character is supposed to be from the EPA, right? He's made. I mean, I mean, William Atherton in general is just so good at playing an unlikable asshole. And apparently, like, he, uh, like, in public, like, he got... Uh, like he got ridiculed by people because they they thought he was really like that, and he's apparently like a really sweet guy, which I I totally believe. But he's so good at at playing a douchebag, <laughs> and and actually my, uh, I think one of the most underappreciated moments in the movie is, uh, it's just when he's sitting down with Vakeman, uh, like, can I see the source facility? No, well, why not? Because you did not use the magic word. What is? The magic word, Mr. Vankman. Please. <laughs> I don't know why. Like it's like that moment specifically, like it's like my, my sides start hurting from how hard that moment makes me laugh. So then so then explain to me, how is he not wrong? Uh Walter I mean Peck? he I mean, well for one, he he has every right to go make sure that this 
that this facility is environmentally sound because that's his job. And when it's shut down, yeah, it obviously caused problems to the environment. So technically, he's not fucking wrong. He's a douchebag, but he was correct. <laughs> All right. Well, if you insist, I still think he's like the biggest dick in the movie. But um... well, he is. But again, he's not wrong. So so then uh, let me ask you something. So for the 80s, and I, I mentioned this before. Do you still how well are the effects? Do you think that they still hold up? Because I absolutely think they do. Because- oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, there's like there's a few like wobbly wonky effects. And, you know, even if um, uh, like there's a shot of, of Stay Puff where you can see clear as day the the wire or the like whatever they use to to maneuver the actor in the suit. Like, you know, it's clear as day and some uh some matte painting shots don't look as well, uh, don't look as well polished. But again, for you, you just have to excuse all that. And I, I'm able to let it slide because it's, you know, it, it's like it's like the original Star Wars, you know, the like, yeah, you can tell that there's a few effect shots in there that don't hold up as well. But you look at it as a whole and for what it accomplished with the budget it had and like both are cases are milestones in special effects and for ghostbusters especially to because it would have been so easy to just make it so effects heavy and just be light on everything else but the fact that even if you did not have the special effects supernatural element to this movie you would still have a very solid comedy with great characters that work off each other really well and have a very entertaining dynamic. But the fact that you have this, the fact you do have that supernatural element that's organically woven into the narrative and it's done with very well done practical effects. It just makes it a much more fulfilling experience overall. And the, uh, and actually we were, we were briefly talking, uh, before we started recording, I, I saw a small clip of afterlife and, uh, God damn, looks like they're using some practical effects on that too, which makes me very fucking happy to see. So please don't, please be good. Please, for the love of God, be good. Well, I mean, I hear, I hear, you know, everyone's actually, everyone's saying that like the movie's pretty good. Um, critics are saying, I mean, obviously critics are saying it, but you know, you don't ever want to take, you don't want to take the critics word exactly for it. You you want to be able to judge the movie on yourself. But like, I think actual audience reactions have been early audience reactions have been pretty positive for the most part from what I've heard, but yeah, I'm excited to see how this movie turns out. But, um, so, uh, Jeff, do you have an, um, actually, actually, before I go there, um, what I was trying to say earlier is that like the lore of that, they build up this movie that you mentioned. Um, I love the idea of, uh, Gozer being this, that's the villain of this piece. Um, is this like evil, like, like God that is war that, was worshipped in like Babylonian, Mesopotamian and Sumerian times. Um, and then the idea of like, so the, so it all starts with uh, Dana Barrett, um, her apartment being haunted or whatnot. And what happens is you find out later that apparently the man who built it, Evo Shandor, uh, was really into be, uh, Gozer worshipping. And so he basically built the building as a, um, as one giant monument to Gozer. And so with all the right pieces setting up, basically Gozer shows up and, uh, I, I love, I love how like Ray's just like, uh, Gozer, the Gozerian. Good evening. Uh, as, (laughs) as duly, I forget exactly the line, but basically he's telling, he's telling, uh, Gozer that Gozer needs to like return back to the nearest dimension that you came from. And, uh, Beckman's like, that ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. And, uh, are you a god? No. Then die. And also, like, I, I do love, uh, I do kind of love the, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the, uh, the moment Vankman says, go get her, Ray. That's payback for sending him to go talk to the librarian from earlier. Uh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that because that's a great moment. Because yeah, because basically, um, 
Because yeah, because the, the way the way he just like he just smirks at him. It's like even even during this pivotal moment, like there there's you still have that immature element that they're that they're always playing off each other. Like like God, I love these characters. Uh, but one of my favorite lines is after. So right after Gozer blasts them close to their deaths and they get back. I love how Winston's like Ray. When someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. This and chick it, is toast. And then uh, aim like, for the flat top. Aim for the flat sticks. Proton packs on. Let's show this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown. <laughs> I'm gonna use that line one like day. The, there's there's honestly a few moments where Bill Murray's delivery is actually like kind of fucking badass. And this is definitely one of those moments. Um, what would you say would be one of the other badass moments? I mean, off the top of my head, I don't fucking know. Um, if if I could think of one, I've seen, um, I wouldn't say it's badass, but like one of my favorite lines, of course, is obviously the classic, like uh, uh, when they are in the mayor's office, and just like uh, um, this town is heading to this ha- this town is heading to an oblivion of biblical proportions. What do you mean biblical? What he means is Old Testament, Mayor. And they're just like a dead seas and stuff, like the dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifices, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Enough, I get the point. And it's like, what if you're wrong? If I'm wrong, we're wrong. Wrong. We'll go to jail and we'll like it. But if we're right and things are bad, Lenny, you will have saved the lives of millions of new york voters <laughs> I, I will say that. like i will say like there, there's a great line in ghostbusters too where i think he's like uh talking to the uh uh i don't know if it's like the mayor's running mate or whatever but he's uh he's like well you're a politician aren't you supposed to kiss my ass and lie to me <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line too it's actually i think it was his aide um or assistant or whatnot but yeah you're right um but but uh, what I really wanted to get to is just like the idea that so like Gozer is going to like choose a form and uh, they have to clear their minds and like the form has been chosen. And uh, it's like, I didn't think of anything. Did you think of anything? No. What did you think? Of? I didn't think of it. Who thought of something? Ray? I couldn't, I couldn't help it. <laughs> and then like, what did you think of? And then like, you're thinking of something the most horrendous thing possible and what it is, it's it's soft, squishy, giant, marshmallowy. Melissa McCarthy? Plus mar- <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, let's not go there. <laughs> let's let's not go there, please. Um, it's a Stay Puff Mar. It's the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. And I was like, he's like, Ray, what were you thinking? He's like, I was thinking of my childhood and how like he was harmless. How he could never do this, and like they're all, th- and like one of my favorite lines also comes from Egon. They're like, I think they're saying, uh, I think it's like, uh, Egon, you have anything to think about this? Sorry, Vecman, I'm terrified beyond the rational thought. Thinking of, ra- I'm terrified, I'm terrified beyond the thinking of rational thought. Um, and so they decide in order to save the world, or you know, stop Gozer, they're going to be like, uh, we're going to close the, we're going to close the portal, and they have to cross the streams. I love how like I love how like uh, he's like because they said crossing the streams was bad and uh, you know not necessarily there is a slight 10% chance we could survive I love this plan and then I love how Winston ends it with like this job is definitely not worth another five a year (laughs) and then they go to and then they go to like uh, close the portal and like see you on the other side Ray showing that like hey we'll be fine (laughs) Um, and then like they they cross the streams and they destroy the portal and everything. And like Gozer just ex- like the stay puff just explodes in marshmallow and like poor Walter Peck, like gets like smothered by marshmallow. It's like, I hate you. Vankman. I think was, the, I think that was the line that he says, but like what's even funnier. So like all the ghostbusters are smothered in like marshmallow, but only, but Peter, <laughs> Peter is like, uh, only partially covered. I wonder if it's because Bill's like, um, I have no interest in being covered in all this shit. So 
I only take a few spots here and there. Thank you. Um, wouldn't be surprised if Bill had that thought, but yeah. Um, and I, I think I would be remiss uh, without ending this without talking about that iconic theme song because that song is like everywhere. Even if you don't, even if you've never seen Ghostbusters, you've never laid eyes on a single bus Ghostbusters like piece of media, like the movies, the TV show, the game, or whatnot. Everyone knows that song, and the lyrics are so simple too. Um, and there's and what's so great is that there's even a dance for it. So much so that like in the music video, the Ghostbusters actually dance to that music video, and they actually dance to it in the second movie. So. Uh, yeah, it's such an iconic song, and uh, it yeah, uh, give it a give it a listen to. It doesn't matter, like even if you're not in a Ghostbusters movie, you just want something to jam with. Like that song is like perfect to jam to. But yeah, um, so Jeff, any uh, any favorite personal quotes from the movie? Even though we probably might have said them all. Oh man, uh, I mean the moments that make me laugh the most are the are just the the subtle moments and you know like that uh just like the the back and forth with uh uh with walter peck uh the uh you know between peck and vankman uh there's too fucking many to count man it's it's just one of those movies that it's endlessly quotable it's it's so easy to to rewatch. there's always something that there's always something new to pick up on that uh, you may have missed on your on your last viewing, and it's uh, it's a movie that I always love going back to, and or even if I just want to put something on in the background, uh, it it's one of those perfect perfect kind of movies. I would say it's uh, yeah, it it's fucking Ghostbusters, man. I think that's all. I think that's all to it. Yeah, it, it really is. You're right though, because it is really just a it really is lightning in a bottle because like it surprises me that um for a rush production that that this was a rush production and yet it shows that they made something amazing um quite frankly i think it's astounding what they came up with and you know this movie even even if this was just a one-off i feel like this movie would have been able to stand the test of time just by itself um so, yeah, I'm I'm like I'm super excited for what's possibly going to happen for uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. But we definitely need to talk about Ghostbusters, too, before we get there. And that's going to be the subject of our next installment, by the way. But um, so in all others, uh, all other cases, of course, thanks for listening for to this episode. Um, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and liking all the comments there and everything. Be sure to like us on Instagram. Of course, that's TNAPCAST, T-N-A-A-P-C-A-S-T. And we're currently on Apple and Spotify. So until then, folks, um, do you have any uh, quirky Ghostbuster lines you want to throw out? Nope. (laughs) All right. Stay shiny, everybody. Have a good one. (laughs) 